Hi, this is Adrian King, and I played Alice in Friday the 13th, and you are listening to Horror Homeschool. Welcome back to Horror Homeschool. I'm Chris. And I'm Ashley. How you doing, Ashley? I'm good. I'm one taco in for the day, so I'll have two other tacos whenever we're done. <laughs> How are I mean, you? You can, always, you can always eat while we're recording. I'm I guess that wouldn't eat. sound good. Be like, hey guys, I'm just going to sit here and eat tacos and you guys have to listen to me. <laughs> I'm sure some people would love that, like some weird ASMR stuff. Yeah, maybe I could do that on the Patreon where I just yeah. sit, eat, talk about scary stuff <laughs> while Bonus watching content. scary movies. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm a bit frazzled. I've had a busy weekend. Uh, my family are here visiting, so it's a full house, mm, and I've been looking yeah. after my son. Um, so I'm a bit bit drained, but I'm really excited to uh, talk about this movie. I know. Uh, Me too. So yeah, we're starting on a new adventure and discussing one of the most iconic slasher franchises in history, and one of my favourites. Um, we're finally going to be talking about Friday the 13th. Dun, dun, dun. So we will be covering all 12 films, starting today with the first one from 1980, and concluding with the 2009 reboot. So this will take us half of the year to get through. So if you're not a Friday the 13th fan, sorry, and we'll see you in August. <laughs> Um, so without further ado let's get into it all right so friday the 13th 1980 it came out five years before i was born um directed by sean s cunningham and written by victor miller and the synopsis is as follows a group of counselors trying to reopen a summer camp called crystal lake which has a grim past are stalked by a mysterious killer very simple synopsis Mm-hmm. And that, that's all you need for a movie like this. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you got some trivia for us, Ashley? Yeah, I have a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I watched the movies that made us on uh, Netflix. Mm, and, I need to check that out still. Yeah, and it was really funny because, um, like, basically, Sean Cunningham had made a couple movies before Friday the 13th, and they were like, most of them were duds um and then he had made some movies with Wes Craven did you know that because I didn't know that no I didn't actually know that yeah he made like two or three movies with him one of them was called Together um never heard of that yeah I know none of these actually were like super popular right um but he's originally a Broadway like producer or something like that all right so to go from Broadway, and then they did a couple like, <clears throat> like goofy sports movies, you know, like um, mm-hmm. the Bad News Bears type movies. No, I've not heard of that. Yeah, so he went from Broadway to those kind of goofy movies, and then they kind of all bombed. Yeah. And so he was like, "Well, why don't we make a scary movie?" <laughs> yeah, because that's making money at the moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so this this other piece of trivia was um so he basically what he did was he went to some people and they're like no we're not gonna do that so he advertised in the paper before it was even made like yeah i heard about that didn't they actually put the title out as well before yeah Yeah, they came up with the title of friday 13th and they hadn't even wrote a script or a story or anything 
and yeah. they were just like, it sounds cool. It sounds scary. You know, like we'll make a movie and call it this. <laughs> I was just like, that is wild. He's just like, yeah. just wanting it so bad that he basically manifested it himself. <laughs> yeah. Like he came up, I don't know how the logo came about, but you know, like the title card with like the, the, the it kind of comes towards the camera and like smashes and all, all the glass breaks. Yeah. That was, I, I'm sure I remember reading somewhere that like that logo was in the paper before anything had even been produced yeah. for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it is just wild, really, how it sort of came about. It was a total like blag, wasn't it? Just to make mm-hmm. money, I guess. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it was just hilarious. One of the most successful horror franchises of all time. I know, and another funny thing about that was that they ripped off other horror films to make the mm-hmm. movie. I mean, obviously, Definitely. Halloween, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Dawn of the Dead, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, which I thought was kind of funny and cool at the same time. Um, another another funny interesting thing that's like an an accidental thing for Friday Thirteenth is Jason Voorhees, like. It it wasn't originally intended to be yeah. Jason Voorhees. Like I know. he came about because they wanted a sequel, you know, and they were like, well, "What? Who can we use?" You know, and it was sort of like a a fumbling accident that they created mm-hmm. well, Jason Voorhees. You know? Well, basically, this whole movie was a fumbling accident because yeah. they didn't have a they had like a like a script, but it wasn't like official script, and then they didn't mm-hmm. really like know exactly what they were gonna do. It was just like a um, total for, just like for the moment the type stuff. Yeah. Um, a cool fact that I learned, or piece of trivia, or whatever, um, is the the people who did the costumes used a lot of red, and the people who like build the backgrounds and stuff, they used a lot of red to undermine the danger. So you didn't right. really like you weren't focused on the fact that there was danger. Bill, the guy uh, who got the arrows in his I remember he was like hanging up on the. Yeah. That was uh, Bing Bing Crosby's son. Right. Okay. I didn't know. Yeah. And uh, so what happened? The fake blood got in his eye and he couldn't see for six months. What? They thought that he was going to go blind officially. Oh my God. So that was actually him, obviously, against the door. It wasn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can see whenever he's he's pinned up there, his eye is moving. Right. Twitching and. Um, I just was like, oh, that sucks. Could you imagine just going on this movie and then it's crazy. <laughs> that, is, that is crazy. Uh, one of my favorite, like, goofs, sort of, um, or the scene where Mrs. Voorhees gets her head chopped off. Yeah. It's, it's actually the, one of the art guys, um. His hands. <laughs> he has the, the head yeah. on his shoulders and he's like humped over. Yeah. So whenever she gets her head cut off and you see the hands go up, yeah. it's obviously man, men hands. Yeah, he's got like hairy knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever Sean Cunningham was done with the movie and he was trying to like edit it, he had no idea what he was doing. So he asked Wes Craven to help him. So Wes Craven <laughs> really? helped edit Friday the 13th. <laughs> that makes sense. That's why yeah. it's so good. <laughs> um. Open, the the opening weekend they made five point eight million dollars, and then right. overall they made sixty million dollars. Whoa! Yeah, they weren't expecting that at all. Like, they went to the, um, you know, to get their movie put in, and they thought that that maybe they would be in like fifty theaters, but then they went nationwide, and it just like took off. That's awesome. Um, and the last piece of trivia that I have, uh, the camp. Is still open. Um, it's called Camp No Bosco. Yeah. And they still have memorabilia from the movie there. Yeah. I, I've read up a lot about that because obviously I want to go. And they have like proper like fan experience weekends there where you can oh come God. and stay there. And like guests will be there that were in the films. Adrian King goes there quite a lot. So like you can actually go and stay there and hang out with the cast members from the films. It's crazy. Oh my god, that would be your ultimate dream. Yes. <laughs> I think would. you would literally die. I I would. I think I'd just spontaneously combust when I got there. You would my... walk. You would like get out of your car and you would like look up and you'd see the the people and then you'd be like, Well, this is it. 
and then you would just die. <laughs> I'd see the Camp Crystal Lake sign, I'd just fall to my knees and just break down. <laughs> be too much for me. <laughs> you just see Chris in the corner just sobbing. <laughs> just rocking back and forth. <laughs> but um, those are some cool facts. Um, have you heard of uh, Crystal Lake Memories? No. Um, I don't know which came first, whether it was the book or the documentary, but it's like the most in-depth Friday 13th like docu-series kind of I mean it's basically like a I think it's like a three and a half hour long documentary I've got it on DVD it's split into like three discs wow um and it is fantastic so uh, if anyone really wants to dig deep and learn everything there is to know about Friday 13th check out Crystal Lake Memories um it's quite hard to find online um there are DVDs and like I say there's a book as well but it's well worth checking out. It's it's awesome. I'll have to look into that. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I want to know your initial thoughts on this film, Ashley, because you haven't seen any of these movies aside from the remake, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me, what did you think about Friday 13th, 1980? I liked it a lot. Good. I was gonna, Correct I was gonna answer. try and pretend. To, I was gonna try and pretend to be like, oh, I didn't like it, but I couldn't so keep glad. a straight face. <laughs> I'm so glad you liked it. I did. I I found it really interesting. Okay, so a couple things that I personally didn't know, like I already knew the twist, right? I already knew that part just because you know it's. Everywhere. So you knew that it was Mrs. Voorhees. Correct. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, but what I didn't know, which I don't know how I didn't know this, but I didn't know Kevin Bacon was in this movie. So that was a nice surprise. <laughs> um, it's always nice to get a bit of bacon. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, uh, I didn't realize like, I don't know, but I just didn't realize about the, like the old lady, like I knew that it was her, but for some reason I didn't put two and two together that she was like the actual person. <laughs> I don't know. It was really weird. So I'm watching yeah. it. Yeah. And so did you real... still think that like it was going to be Jason at some point? Yeah, I realize... think I did. Okay. I think I did. But um, <clears throat> funny no, for it... me actually, like the first time I watched this, um, I, I mean obviously I didn't see it when it came out because it was released five years before I was even born. <laughs> but of course I'd grown up knowing, you know, of the horror icon that is Jason Voorhees, and knowing that he's the slasher in the Friday the Thirteenth movies. And the first Friday the 13th movie that I saw was actually Jason X. Um, so, and I loved that movie. I used to like rewatch the VHS over and over again. Like that, along with Halloween, like really ignited my love for like slasher horrors. So that was my experience with Friday the 13th, like Jason X. So later on in life, when I got the chance to like check out the, the movies from the beginning, starting with this one, I was so confused that, with the Mrs. Voorhees reveal, because the whole movie, I th- was expecting it to be Jason, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I was thinking, I wonder what audiences at the time thought of that reveal, because of course, at this point, Jason Voorhees wasn't even a thing. Right. Like, he wasn't even meant to be in this movie, let alone return as the killer in the sequel. Right. And I was thinking it probably would have been a shock to them too, because like female slashers aren't common, like especially in the oh. 1980s. Oh, and especially old women yeah you know what I mean like <laughs> crazy old ladies I loved that I really did yeah. yeah yeah it was it was an awesome twist it's just iconic um so yeah you loved it that's great I'm, I'm really glad that you liked it yeah no I really did um I really did like it a lot I mean you know what I think about this film I think it's amazing <laughs> yeah um, no, it's your favorite I love um the murder mystery element to it like you know it's the blueprint for everything it's a blueprint for scream you know there would be no scream correct right um without um, this it, it's the fact that it's the who done it you know the you guess in the whole time like who it's going to be um and you know it's just like like we said the unlikely villain of mrs Voorhees, like mm-hmm. and you know this movie's special because like we don't know who the killer is until the reveal at the very end like you're guessing all the way through 
everything that comes after it, like you know, it's Jason Voorhees. Like right. there's no there's no mystery to it. Um, and you know, this is just like a like a classic masterpiece of slasher cinema. You know, just it it's got it all. It's got you know good acting, good story, good scares, memorable scenes, a really nice atmosphere. I love the vibe to it. You know, mm-hmm. like you know the atmosphere of the summer camp in like the late 1970s it's just perfect like it just feels like really nostalgic for me as well like because I grew up um like in the Lake District like in a sort of similar setting like hanging out by the lake messing about like very familiar setting for me so I, I relate to it a lot in that way I love seeing that sort of aesthetic and that that vibe um and I love like the contrast between like the bright parts and then the dark rainy night shots, mm-hmm. like, like especially the rainy stuff. Like I've got a thing about rain. I'm sure there's like a term people are obsessed with listening to rain, but I just love like when I I can stay in and be all cozy and listen to the rain from like the comfort of my own home. Like when I don't have to go out and work in it and get wet. Like I can just stay in and just like chill. And I love like that part in this film. Like you know, it's pissing it down outside. It's just it's awesome. Um. And I also think it's like a genuinely scary horror movie. Like, yeah, no, for sure it is. <laughs> like the, the music's got a lot to do with that as well. Like the, the, the way that the music creates the tension is just great. Um, Harry Manfredini does a fantastic job with the score. You know, it's like mm-hmm. one of the most iconic horror scores in history. You know, everyone can like, you know, sing that that theme, you know. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. iconic probably one of the most iconic movie scores full stop not just horror movies you know right so good yeah so it it had a really good strong opening scene in my opinion oh yeah yeah because it get just into kind of it, went then? straight straight to the point <laughs> yeah so it opens with camp crystal lake 1958 the text at the bottom um and we see the counselors having a sing-along by the fire <laughs> yep um and then uh, we get like first bit of POV, unknown POV creeping into the kids' cabin, like checking, which I like a lot. Checking to see if they're sleeping and safe, and you're like, okay, because you think, are they going? You know, is this person going to kill one of the kids? No, no, they're just like checking to see if they're okay. Okay, that's weird. And then you go back to the counselors having a sing song, and like two counselors in particular are giving each other the eye, <laughs> um, and then they <laughs> sneak off to fool around. And then they're getting it on, and then they get interrupted by the unknown POV creeper. And they seem to know them, because um, he was like, oh, oh, we weren't doing anything, you know, we're just messing around. And then he gets stabbed straight away. And then whoever did that then chases the girl. And then it's like a freeze frame on her screaming, and then the camera, like, zooms in on her face. And then the title springs onto the screen, the Friday the 13th, and then smashes the screen, all the glass goes. And it's just a fantastic opening, mm-hmm, isn't it? It's just iconic. Yeah. The music is so good. Yeah, it was it was strong, and I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all about the opening scene. It's got to sell you like that, hasn't it, you know? Um, and then we get uh, present day, Friday, June the 13th, text comes up on the bottom um so this is meant to be so we're now like i think is it one year after or two years after it doesn't state until i don't think it's explained until mrs Voorhees explains it at the end because mm-hmm. that's always been a sticking point with me i've always gone well hang on when is when did jason die and then when did that happen in 1958 so that was meant to be the year after it happened wasn't it so jason drowned in 1957 yeah, and then the two kids dr- uh, got killed. In 1958. Yeah. So basically, it happened in 1957 when she was working there. And then she didn't do anything there, and it just happened. But then she returned the following year and then killed them kids. Yep. Which is a bit odd. I thought maybe, like, the killing would have started immediately after it immediately, happened. Immediately, yeah. But obviously, it, it's just the fact she was like, you should have been watching them. I was like, well dude that was like a year ago like I wasn't even employed at this camp then you know like (laughs) hang on a minute so that's always confused me a bit but I'm finally after all these years getting it straight in my head now right so so this is set a few years after because they've tried to reopen it a few times haven't they 
Yes, yes. So we're we open in the idyllic small town, um, and we follow Annie, the backpacker, as she's walking through the very quiet town. I've actually met Annie at a con in London, and she was lovely. I can't remember the actor's name, um, but yeah. So we so we follow her uh, walking through this quiet town, and she talks to a dog and asks how far it is to Crystal Lake. Surprisingly, she doesn't get a straight answer from the dog. So she walks into a cafe uh, where everyone turns and looks at her like she's got two heads when she asks, where's Camp Crystal Lake? And they refer to it as Camp Blood. Um, I would instantly be like, okay, I'm going home. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I've changed my mind. (laughs) Um, And unfortunately, she then hitches a ride with a very pervy man um, who proceeds to tell her that she's she's really pretty or something or is, are they all as pretty as you up there at the camp yes so what like, a creep there's so many creeps in these slashes <laughs> i know terrible um but then before she gets in in the the van with this dodgy dude uh we meet crazy ralph um yes. and he says uh it's got a death curse about talking about uh, camp blood and warns annie not to go basically um great character i love crazy oh. ralph one of the other pieces of trivia that I read was um, he was originally supposed to be called Ralphie Ratboy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I prefer Crazy Ralph. <laughs> I'm like, I want to name a band Ralphie Ratboy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good shout. So, Hi, um... my name is Ashley Ratboy. <laughs> it's a good username, a good handle. I know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then she doesn't think anything of it. She just sort of laughs it off and gets... Uh, in the vehicle with this dodgy man um and then he then proceeds to tell her what happened at camp blood uh, and says quit it's jinxed um and says that so the boy drowned in 57 the kids were killed in 58 and then they tried to reopen it again after and there was fires and then the year after the water was bad so all these things keep happening and it's cursed and you know she, he's basically warned her not to open it back up again. She just laughs it off and he, he drops her off somewhere random and she starts walking to hitch another ride, which, okay. Yeah, I didn't understand. Why didn't he just <laughs> take, a straight take her the whole way? Maybe it's like really far or something. I don't know. But well, oh, yeah, that's what he was. Uh, they were trying to make it to where it was really out there where they weren't going to have a lot of um, yeah, it was really contact remote. with the outside world. Yeah, I guess. Um, so then we meet Kevin Bacon. Um, he's driving in a car with his birds and his goofy mate. And they're going to work at Camp Crystal Lake uh, as counsellors. And the music in the background is like some mad like banjo music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is on the soundtrack and it's just dead funny when I'm listening to it and that pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they drive into the camp and they meet uh, a shirtless mustache wearing man chopping some wood um, and we find out he's the guy in charge and uh, we meet our final girl Alice um, who is played by the lovely Adrian King who I've also met lovely lovely lady um, fun fact about her uh, she actually sells wine I think it's called Camp Crystal Lake wine or something like that but like all of her wine is like Friday 13th themed so she's awesome. got her own her own business doing that. She like fully embraces like the fact that she's one of like the first iconic final girls, and she's wrote a book. She does all sorts of stuff. Like she she loves her her role as Alice, like uh, and the way it is has defined her, you know, in her career. It's it's really cool. Yeah, I was reading that she uh, she quit acting because she had a stalker. That's right, yeah. She talked about that at the con briefly, but um, she had to dip out of the spotlight for, for a few years because she got a real-life stalker and it got pretty scary. Um, that's terrifying. And she does a... I think it's. I think she wrote a book that's called Final Girl Support Group and she does... Uh, you know, she helps people who've had experiences similar to that. Um, so she's a real-life fucking Final Girl superhero. It's awesome. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome, mm. yeah. So, yeah, we meet Alice. She's great in this movie. Um, and then it's basically all hands on deck as they get working to get the place open. Um, and then this very much older moustache 
neckerchief man helps Alice with the the guttering and comes on to her very weirdly, like <laughs> while like he's looking at a portrait that she drew of him from the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "Oh, you, you're very talented and very pretty." It's like <laughs> so weird. Men. <laughs> But especially in these like seventies, eighties slashes, like there's a lot oh, of this dynamic, isn't there? Like there's some sort of weird. I mean, I know there was a lot of stuff like that going on in in those decades anyway. Yeah, uh, worrying to even begin to think about, but uh, the fact that it was in so many films as well it is worrying. Um, but then he he fucks off somewhere in his jeep, and the kids continue to work, and uh, and then we get. A girl carrying targets to the archery range and we get our first jump scare where one of the other kids fires an arrow at her unexpectedly um and then we go back to annie she's walking along the road trying to hitch her next ride um and someone unknown picks her up in a jeep and the car starts driving faster and faster and then misses her turn off and then she asks them to stop and then they don't so she jumps out the jeep and rolls in a ditch and then the Which car reverses. was really her. Yeah, it was really her, yeah. A lot of these, like, low-budget horrors, like, they, they actors did do their own stunts, you know. They sort of, I mean, back in the day, there wasn't safeguarding or contracts to, you know, prevent people from actually doing the stunts and stuff like that. So they used to just get them to do it. I know, that's so wild. Yeah. Um. So then the car, like, reverses, and the unknown person jumps out and chases her through the woods. And this is like great chase scene, great tension, and the music's like booming. Um, and then she falls down and like pleads, and then she just suddenly gets her throat slit, just really it's quick. So great! I love that kill. I love the special effects by Tom Savini there. Mm-hmm. Just, it, lo- it still looks great, you know. Oh yeah, and he was ta- They were talking about how they did it and everything, and just it's crazy how practical a lot of the stuff was whenever back then you know oh, yeah i just you can't be practical special effects you yeah know, you just can't i even love the stuff that they do with like miniatures you know like in like the original star wars films mm-hmm. and uh, like the the tim burton batman films where they mm-hmm. create like miniature versions of gotham or you know whatever even with like harry potter you know like they created a miniature there and you, you can't beat it because cgi you just you know straight away as soon as the right. cgi thing comes on the screen your brain can notice that that's not real. You know, like, no matter how good it is, you can't be practical, in my opinion. Another thing I liked about uh, this scene, too, was that you you were pretty much expecting Annie to be the final girl. Well, at least yeah. I was. Yeah. You yeah, think, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, they're following her mainly. She's going to survive. And then, nope. Yeah. And it's very quick and sudden as well. And it's just like, oh, okay. And you get your first, like full you know full frontal shot of that gore which Mm -hmm. the gore in this film is perfect it's Mm. just like perfect amount of like it's not too much but it's it makes you wince and it's like oh you know it's like shocking but it's not like too over the top it's perfect um but yeah she she would have been a great final girl actually but it throughout this film it's the continuing theme of misdirection Mm -hmm. you know they go oh, this is going to happen. And then you think it's going to happen. It's like, oh, no, it's not. Oh, actually, we're going a different way right now. And it keeps you on your toes the whole time. And I've seen this movie so many times. And I'm still kept on my toes. And I know what's going to come. You know, it's just it's the, it's just a masterpiece. Um, so then we're back to the kids at the camp. And they're taking a break from working. And they're all relaxing, having a swim and a sunbathe, messing about near the water. And uh, and one of them spots someone watching them from across the lake in the woods. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool moment. And she sort of second guesses herself. She's like, nah, it's, it's nothing. Um, so then Ned, he fakes drowning because he's, he he's the clown. And everyone rushes to help. And it's a right palaver. There's like all sorts going on. He gets pulled into the jetty and given CPR. And then he just kisses the person who's given him CPR. <laughs> Um, I'd be so mad if somebody did yeah. <laughs> It's fucked. Um, and then we see Alice back at the cabin on her own. And I hate this bit, obviously, the bit with the snake, um, mm-hmm. where it gets hacked a bit with and a machete. Real. And it's real. 
and it's I can never watch it. I always have to real. put my eyes. It's After horrible. I found that out, oh. did you not realize at the time that it was real? I had a suspicion that it was real because of just yeah. the way that it looked. Yeah, yeah. But then I was reading, and the handler didn't know that they were going to kill it. Oh no! That's even worse. He was. Oh fuck! He was so distraught and upset that they <gasps> had to like literally hold him back. Fuck! I would have killed him. I would have got like machete and chopped their head off. I was just like, how dare you? That is so horrible. Okay, I hate this movie now. It's cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck Friday the 13th. I have overlooked that for many years, you know, that, that snake scene. But it yeah. is horrible, and I kind of wish that they cut it out. But obviously they need to use it because they're setting up the machete, you know. Yeah. Um. So, okay. It was I'm a different sorry. time, I guess. Um. So what happens next? Uh, then the policeman comes, oh, around, yeah, the comes along and the uh, the culturally inappropriate American Indian impersonation. Um, and then he's looking for crazy Ralph. And then they say that they've not seen him. And then the policeman gets called away. And apparently this policeman guy, um, he couldn't ride that bike at all. And it, he kept falling off it. So like it took a, a lot to get that take of him riding off on the bike. That's hilarious. And it did look a really heavy motorbike for some reason. Um, so then Alice is in the cabin and she's in the kitchen and uh, we're just following her around as so she does her bits and bobs. And then she opens the door to the pantry and crazy Ralph pops out and it's jump scare. It's great. Um, and he says, this place is cursed. You're all doomed if you stay. And and everyone's just in shock, just like, what what is going on? I'm left. sure one of them... Sure, one of them tells him to fuck off or something. Um, so he, he he goes off on his bike, shouting, "You're all doomed." Um, but yeah, I think I would have probably left at that point. <laughs> but I don't know. I suppose if you've got a job there, you've got to sort of stick it out for a bit. Um, I guess, but man, if I started getting scary <laughs> stuff, heck no. <laughs> um, so then, then we're off with Kevin Bacon and his bird with the nipples. Um, oh yeah that actress she didn't want to she was really nervous about the the two scenes the sex scene and the her getting killed scene but in the episode I was watching she was so annoying oh really like I had to stop watching the last couple minutes of the show because she was just so annoying as an old lady oh really I'm gonna have to watch this yeah definitely watch it I like her in this. I think she's great. Oh, yeah. She's fantastic in this. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're off exploring the camp and sort of fooling around. And I just, I love the shots in this movie. Like, the cinematography is so beautiful with the location. You know, it just looks awesome. I know. I live and, there. Yeah. And then we get the uh, the racist Indian fella. He's weirdly watching them from afar and sort of walking around on his own, creeping about. And yeah, that's weird. He hears something from one of the empty cabins and he goes to investigate. And that's sort of the last we see of him. Yep. Um, then it's back to Kevin and his bird and we get a very unrealistic lightning flash. I don't know if you noticed that, but like, you know, they're like, oh, it's a, there's a storm coming. Mm-hmm. And the lightning is like a, a bright yellow torch getting flashed mm-hmm. in their face. Yeah. <laughs> it looks terrible. Um, and then his bird has like a really creepy, odd monologue about having like a dream yeah that was weird but i guess the blood rain thing was meant to be like mirroring like you know foreshadowing what happens to kevin bacon where the blood drips on his head lying down but i like that i like that bit um so then they run off as the storm starts and there's some really lovely shots of the lake as like the storm starting it's so atmospheric i love it that's like that's the vibe of weather that i live for you know like you know, and like it's a nice day, but then like the weather just turns on a dime like that, and the storm so starts. Up. I fucking <laughs> so god. I love it. And when I'm sitting in a graveyard, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, from this moment, the whole tone of the movie just shifts from that point. Like, it's no longer like bright and hopeful and sunny. Like, it just it turns on a dime then, and then we get uh, Kevin and his birds. They're getting friendly back at the cabin. And they they pork by candlelight, 
Um, and meanwhile, <laughs> Alice and the others are hanging out playing strip monopoly. Oh, I know that was uncalled for, but whatever. <laughs> he, uh, Sam yeah, we don't said actually that... see much considering no. it's strip monopoly. After that, we get to see Kevin Bacon's bare ass squeezed <laughs> as yep. he nuts. Um, and yep. then the camera that pans. Was really awkward. <laughs> and then the camera pans above them while they're doing it. And in the top bunk is Dead Ned. And mm-hmm. then the lightning flashes on his face. And it's so great. Great moment. Because it's just like the the dichotomy of what's going on. <laughs> the situation is just so horrible. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> doing it and there's a dead bloke above you so gross um so then when they've they've finished doing the business she goes off to pee and kevin pops his vest back on because he's a bit chilly and then he lights up a smoke and as he's lying there chilling out having a smoke a drop of blood falls and hits him on the forehead and then he feels it and then looks up and then as he looks up arms come from behind the back of the bed and hold him down and then he gets skewered from underneath. And it's just one of the best kills in the movie, oh, if not that, the best. I was going to say, that's probably my favorite kill. It's yeah. so good. It's so well done. Um, and obviously, you've, you've probably heard the stories about why the blood squirted out mm-hmm. the way it did. Because he, he, he had a tube. I think it was Tom Savini. He was underneath the bed. Mm-hmm. And he sort of had to blow the blood through and there was like a bubble in the tube and he had to blow really hard and it squirted everywhere (laughs) yeah but i thought Um, that was kind of cool anyways so yeah it looked great um i mean obviously you can kind of see in you know blu-ray hd whatever you can see the difference in the skin tone with the prop and that but Mm -hmm. it it's so i I love practical effects it's so well done (laughs) give me that any day over cgi um but i love in this scene as well the direction how your attention is like diverted up to look up when the blood's dripping from above because that's where you think it's going to happen you know the kill's going to come from above but it's not as he looks up it comes from underneath it's so good um so then we get kevin's bird she's in the outhouse um and then she hears someone come in and then she's like walking towards the showers and like great tension she opens each curtain one by one and then again, the misdirection so fantastic. You think that they're going to be behind the curtains, mm-hmm. and then she turns around and gets hit with an axe from behind. So good, like such a sick kill. That's one of my favorite kills as well in this. Just like yeah, that is real. They they had that thing glued to her face, like literally. Yeah, yeah. I just, it, that kill reminds me of Psycho as well. Just the way that it's shot, you know, where like. You don't actually see it going in. You see, like, you see the axe, you see it hit a light, so you can, like, f- you you can feel the weight of it as it hits that light. And then you see, obviously, the aftermath of it in her head, and she just slumps down. And it's such a cool image. I just love that. Um, and then we're back to Alice and the others. They're wrapping things up with the strip monopoly, and then they head back to their cabins to retire for the night. Uh, and then we catch up with Creepy Mustache Man at the diner, and then he, he pays and then drives off into the night. He gets hit on by the yeah. by the diner lady. Yeah. <laughs> the waitress. That, that's something I love. Like, I sort of romanticize about America is the diners. Like, is there that many, like, roadside diners just like no. that where no. you just, you sit there and they just instantly pour you coffee. And it's just like, it's so, like, small town, like, old school Americana. I love no, that shit. No, it's really. my dream being shattered. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, we have we have some diners left. I mean, it may have been like that back in the day. Because, I mean, I mean, diners were a lot bigger back then. But now we have, like, a diner called Denny's. Oh, yeah, It's like Denny's. a franchise, and it's yeah, not yeah. good. <laughs> but no, I just, I want to go to a diner, a roadside diner, and just sit there and have them offer me some pie. Oh, I'm sure we can yeah. find one. <laughs> I just love that. Um, so then, yeah, so he drives back to the camp. Um, and now we're back with Strip Monopoly Girl. She's at the camp getting ready for bed. She's in the outhouse washing up where her friend's just been killed. Uh, and then we see that someone's watching her from behind the shower curtain. 
and we see a hand like pull it back it's just so creepy as uh, you know great tension in this scene it's so good because uh, we know what's just happened in there and like it's like is she gonna find their dead friend you know is she gonna get killed like surely one of those two things is gonna happen but nope misdirection again she leaves safe and sound you know it just always keeps you guessing it's so great mm-hmm. um so then we're back with mustache man and his jeep's broken down and he uh, gets a lift from a policeman luckily um and then we're back to strip monopoly girl she's back at the cabin by herself getting ready for bed um this is one of my favorite scenes in the film i don't know why it's just the atmosphere and the rain outside like the way she just lights a candle and she settles down for the night starts reading her book in bed and you think she's all safe and sound now but then someone's watching her and then mm. you hear the really creepy help me in the distance and then she hears it but ignores it and then it happens again and then the score starts to play louder she like gets up to investigate it's so creepy that like mrs Voorhees voice doing the help me <laughs> it's so, oh. so scary so then she goes outside in the pouring rain and she's saying hello hello and then you hear the voice again over here somebody please help me she's like following the voice in the darkness she's just got a torch and she's just piss wet through now getting soaked in the rain and the voice is still calling and it's so scary i love this Mm-mm, scene I <laughs> so scary no, I probably would. <laughs> so then she's at the archery range now and then the floodlights get turned on suddenly and she's just blinded by them and then it cuts away and you hear her scream yes so cool um so then we see alice in her cabin and it's all chill and she's just like playing guitar like stoking the fire it's all cozy and calm and you're sort of all chilled with her and then there's a jump scare as bill barges in opens the door um and then she says to him that she saw the lights go on at the archery range but now they're off so they both go searching for everybody and they come across a bloody axe in mm. Linda's bed, just resting on the pillow. And they're like, that's weird. <laughs> uh, and then they go hunting for the rest of them. And then they go into the other cabins and the outhouses and they find no one. So then they start to get worried. And then they go to the office to use the phone to call someone. And then they discover that the phone lines are dead. And as they're discovering that, we see outside that the phone lines have been cut. So they're fucked. Um, they're even more fucked now because they try the car and the car doesn't work and you know they're completely isolated I mean at this point I would be panicking (laughs) I'd be like fuck this I think I'd just get up and start walking yeah I've always thought that like in films like this where phone lines are dead car's dead I'd just walk I'd just start walking you know what I mean just to get out of there Um, so now we're in the car with the policeman and the moustache man and um, they start talking about how it's a full moon. And they're like, oh, full moon on Friday 13th. Um, and they say about how when it's a full moon, there's more accidents, more rapes, more robberies, more homicides. And uh, he says, oh, it just makes people go nuts, the full moon. Which I'd love to kind of look into the the theory in that and the actual... I feel like it's real. To- Because I don't know. I mean, I'd love to think that there is some kind of truth to that. that The full moon makes people nuts. I always feel like when there's like, um, like when I'm at work and there's a day whenever it was like either after the full moon or there's going to be a full moon, people are just real like up, just like tense. Yeah. But what is it? Why? I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to research this and talk. We'll talk about it next time. Yes. Because I love shit like that. Um, so Steve, uh, he gets let out by the policeman because he gets called away. Something's going on. Um, so then Steve has to walk back to camp. And as he gets there, he bumps into someone who he appears to know, uh, but we can't see still. Uh, and But they kill him instantly. It's a great jump scare because it's so sudden again. Because you think he's about to have a conversation with them and it's just knife in, done um because again we're sort of we're hoping that the grown-up in charge will be coming back to save the day you know he'll he'll save the day and and everything will be okay but no you know Mm -hmm. the grown-up's dead now too so 
they're really fucked. Um, so then we see um, that someone's cut the power now at camp, and uh, then Bill goes to investigate, and he says to Alice, um, the lines that will seal his fate here, you stay here, get some sleep, I'll be right back. <laughs> There's no way I could get sleep. <laughs> well, the thing is, she seems pretty chill at this point still. There's a nice shot of her, like, all cosy, like, settling down to sleep. And you're there with her, you're like, oh, you know, this this seems pretty chill right now. She, she's pretty happy. Um, and then he faffs around. We see him faffing around with the generator. And then as we're following around doing this, we think something's going to happen to him again. And nothing happens. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, but as this is going on, it then cuts very quickly to Alice screaming, waking up. And uh, that's a great jump scare. Great misdirection again. Um, and then we get a very slow scene of Alice just making coffee. And again, we're sort of lulled into a false sense of security. And, uh, you know, not, nothing's happened, nothing's happening. And then she opens, she goes for the door where Ralph popped out and you think someone's going to pop out now. No, nope, no one pops out. Nothing happens again. And then she goes searching for Bill because she realizes that he's been gone for some time. And then she finds his poncho but not him. And it's like, oh, that's weird. And then, of course, as she closes the door, he's there impaled on it by arrows. Great, mm-hmm. great jump scare. Great scary moment. Um, the score is so good. And, you know, the visual of that is so good. Um, and everything changes now. Like, the pace really picks up. So she runs back to the cabin, barricades herself in. She grabs a baseball bat and, like, a miniature, like, pitchfork thing. I don't know <laughs> what that was. Um, and then as she sort of like backs towards the window and she just says what am I going to do and then her dead mate's body just gets thrown through the window (laughs) it's a great Mm -hmm. jump scare still gets me that like after all the times I've seen it like I always forget that's coming did you jump on that bit yeah I did (laughs) so many moments where you're just not expecting it it's great I know there's parts where I scream too (laughs) And that's great. I love that this movie made you scream, made you scared. So good. So then Mrs. Voorhees makes her unassuming entrance. Uh, so she turns up at the camp and Alice, just hysterical, runs into her arms crying. And she's and Mrs. Voorhees, she's like, it's okay. I, you know, I'm here. Um, I used to work for the Christie's, which is um, Mustache Man. That's his his family, right? Mm-hmm. Um and she then says to her, you know, they're all dead. Don't leave me. And Mrs. Voorhees, she's like, I'm not afraid. And then she goes, and she goes into the cabin with her. And then she sort of plays along and she sees the girl that she's just thrown through the window. And she's like, oh, oh, what monster could have done this? And then she just starts her monologue and, and it slowly starts to turn. And she says, oh, this place, uh, Steve should never open this place again. Those counsellors were killed, and she goes into it. The boy was drowned the year before. The counsellors weren't paying any attention. And then it's his name was Jason. And then she says, I was the cook, and that he should have been watched. Um, and then we get like a flashback to Jason drowning. And he's saying, help, mummy. And uh, she she's like talking to him in her, in her head. She's saying, I am Jason. And, uh, and she says... You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Um, and she basically says that she couldn't let them open the place up again after what had happened. Um, and we, you know, at this point, we're just like, "Oh, this this chick's really crazy." <laughs> you know, it's it's boss. What did you think about that moment when it happened? Oh, just fantastic! In my head, I'm like this old lady. <laughs> and the thing is, it's, it it kind of irritates me the fact that that um jason is more well known for friday the 13th than she is i'd be like yeah putting her everywhere because she was the og there's no other i mean there's movies now but there was nothing like that you know with the old lady killing kids like yeah that's on another level of yeah wild oh yeah (laughs) it's it is it's weird isn't it because how iconic friday the 13th is it's all about Jason, and she just gets sort of sort of forgotten about, you know, because of that reason. Um, but yeah, she she should be up there. She should be on that Mount Rushmore of slashers. 
oh, with for sure. Jay- Jason and, and Freddie and Michael. But I guess it's just because she's only been in one movie. I guess that's maybe why. But I love I love the editing in this scene where it's like such a close up frame of her face. You know, when she's like speaking to Jason in her head and then mm-hmm. we get the, the cuts to the flashbacks of Jason drowning and that like I love, love the editing. It's just so well done. Um, Mrs. Voorhees, she's my favorite character in this, hands down. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, awesome, awesome reveal. Probably one of the best reveals of all time. The way it's done, that it's so good. Um, so then Alice is obviously like shitting herself. She's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know. Um, and then we get like the climax now, where she, she you know, she turns to Alice and she says look what you did to him and then she gets out a knife and just charges at her and then and they Alice... really did this fighting scene they didn't have any yeah. stunt doubles yeah. it's amazing when they were fighting basically betsy palmer the woman who played mrs Voorhees, mm. she was traditionally a stage actor and um when she was fighting with adrian she wasn't pulling her punches and she was actually slapping her mm. and <laughs> And Adrian was like said to the director, like, you know, she's actually hitting me here. And director was like, Whoa, we you know, we don't do that here. Like you can't <laughs> you can't do that. You've got to pull your punches and pretend to hit her, you know. That's funny. Um yeah, so she was actually smacking her about. <laughs> um so yeah, it's this moment's great now where Alice runs out and she discovers all of her dead friends. They all pop out like Halloween 1978 mm-hmm. style. So good. And they have like an epic fight scene with a fantastic chase, you know, like real fisticuffs, real biting. Um, all the while, like Mrs. Voorhees is just screaming, killer, mummy, killer. And it's just, I love that shot where she's, she's searching for her and she's like going through the moonlight. It's beautiful cinematography. And she's like, oh, she can't hide, no place to hide. Uh, and, she, and the, you know, just the way she does, like, the Jason voice, it's so, so creepy. creepy. <laughs> so oh, God. Um, and then she does try to hide. Alice tries to hide in the pantry. And that scene's so great, great tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they have a scuffle in there. I'm pretty sure when they're by the shore, like, she whacks her with a shovel or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alice grabs her machete from the ground and she decapitates Mrs. Voorhees. Brilliant. Such an iconic I didn't see mode. that coming. Oh, I didn't really? see that coming oh, at all. So sick. <laughs> that is awesome. And then we see the moon and the scary music like stops playing and it transitions into that beautiful synth score. And Alice she gets into the boat and she floats out onto the lake and it's morning now. And we see all the police arriving on the scene. And Alice wakes up all like relieved and sort of calm and her hands dipping in the water. And just when you think everything's safe and sound again, that beautiful score playing in the background. And all of a sudden, Jason jumps out of the lake and pulls her under. And it's mm-hmm. the most one of the most iconic horror moments and jump scares of all time. I mean, did you jump? You must have jumped. Oh, of course. <laughs> did you know about this scene? no I didn't and I didn't I didn't see that coming either so like yeah. the whole ending I didn't see coming so I thought that was pretty cool did you know that that uh, that Jason was in this you know like kid Jason um no I didn't so you, yeah all. so you were completely blind to that part that's cool mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I still it still gives me the willies that bit just the noise that, that happens as well of him like growling or something mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's like the close-up on on kid jason he's all like i don't know like rotten and sort of almost zombified from being in the lake for so long and i know so he looks gross. so scary um i've met that dude as well his name's ari um oh, fucking i've forgotten his last name but he was he was just a boy when he did that part Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, and you know they put the prosthetics on him, and he just popped out of the lake, and that was it, really. But um, it's funny because he's he's based his whole career on being the first Jason. He's even called his band that he's in First Jason. Oh and my gosh! They're going to be performing at Horrorcon this October. Oh, sick! <laughs> so I can't wait for that. It's going to be cool. But weirdly, though, like 
I've got a tiny bit of a gripe with this whole first Jason thing. I'm probably in the minority here, but so technically it's a dream, right? Because the next moment, you know, she wakes up in hospital and she finds out all her friends are dead and she talks to the policeman and he's he's like, oh yeah, we pulled you out of the lake. And she's like, what about the boy? You know, and, and he's like, oh, we didn't find any boy. And then the camera just zooms in on their face and music starts playing. And, and she's like, then he's still there. And so it's open to interpretation, I guess. But what, you know, what do you think happened? Did this happen or was this in her head? Hmm. Well, if it's in her head, then there was no point for the rest of the franchise. <laughs> so, but if it really happened, the cops would have seen it somehow. Yeah, exactly. So, so I it has to be in her head then. Yeah, yeah, for me that this is definitely a dream. Like obviously she's <clears throat> she's in the boat, but she's had her head fucking beaten to bits with all this information and all this trauma that's happened to her this night. So she's got in her head all these images of uh, the boy drowning in the lake and and all this shit. So that's her mind creating what's happened here. Mm-hmm. So technically, this is me being really fucking nerdy. Technically, that wasn't the first Jason because it was a dream. Jason, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, at this point, he was a fully grown adult because, of course, next one, next movie is part two where we, we meet Jason for the first time, and he's a fully grown adult. Mm. Um, and this is directly, it's a direct sequel, basically. Happened straight after. So that can't have been the real, the real first Jason. I don't know. It, it's a fucking horror movie, I guess. I mean, day. I guess it could technically, because she's dreaming of a Jason, and it could be, like, the first... Um... I don't know, I mean, first version of him. Yeah, I'm happy to accept that that is what Jason looked like when he drowned. But at the end of the day, I'm thinking, oh, she's she's just come up with that in her head, so it's not right. actually what he looked like. Right. <laughs> honestly, this is just me picking at bits, but it's just something that's always nagged me a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's a great ending. Fucking awesome, awesome ending. Uh, and it ends on the, on the shot of a lake, and then the credits mm-hmm. roll. And I'm sure I'm sure I read somewhere that there's like a few little air bubbles that pop up in the middle of the water, you know, hinting that mm. he's still there, you know. Um, so, what are your overall thoughts on this, then, Ashley? Oh, I thought it was great, and I love the fact that when you watch it, it's like you know the other movies that were like made from it you know obviously they ripped off halloween and stuff like that but you know you like sleepaway camp had the most vibes from that movie Mm -hmm. like it was basically a direct movie from or like a yeah copy (laughs) but i mean it inspired so many films like okay it it ripped off a few but i think the legacy that that made was even more than what came before. Oh, yeah, for sure. Was Black Christmas before or after? Black Christmas was before. It was okay. one of the very first because that inspired what I Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, because so those three movies and the point of view takes from mm-hmm. those all are fantastic. Yeah. They really nailed that point of view. Yeah. Um, movie thing. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, it's one of the greatest slashes of all time. It's so great. You know, it never gets old or boring, no matter how many times I see it. And yeah, I can see myself watching it, especially every just, Halloween, stuff like that. Yeah, it's a perfect movie to watch in October or Halloween or like to watch for summer nights. You know, like it's just perfect to watch all year mm-hmm. round, to be honest, which I do. <laughs> I'd love to be there. Yeah. Maybe not with kids or anything, just a couple friends. No, no slash, no slash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you though, when you go to those fan events there at, at the camp, I bet they have like a moment where like someone jumps out and scares you, dressed oh, as Jason or something. <laughs> yeah, I'd fucking, I'd love to visit. I'd love that whole experience. Um, but actually, something that I do want to mention before we wrap it up. 
something we never talk about on this podcast, actually. And that's the artwork for the movie. So oh. this poster is just so fucking good. You know, it's up there with The Exorcist and Halloween is like one of the most iconic horror movie posters of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's like the glowing white outline, you know, of the silhouette, like shoulders down of the mysterious killer, Mrs. Voorhees. And, you know, she's holding a hunting knife with it dripping with blood. And inside the silhouette is beautifully drawn scene of a cabin in the woods with the main character stood outside of it. And it's all lit by moonlight and moody blues. And it looks so spooky and awesome. And then the title below in bright white and that iconic font with the number mm-hmm. 13 dripping in blood. And it's just the graphic design is just genius. It's one of my favorite images ever. You know, I've got it on a T-shirt, obviously. It's just <laughs> it's so, so nice. I love it. Yeah, it's overall, it's just it's, the fact that it was just kind of a thrown together movie. Yeah. And it became yeah. one of the most iconic horror slasher films of all time. Yeah. It's just wild to me. It it's is. just crazy. Totally. So, yeah, I think that about does it for this episode. Next time, we will be covering the next movie in the franchise, Friday 13th Part 2. So make sure you've watched that movie, ready, and come back to join us for that discussion. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at contacthorrorhomeschool at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook. We'll always chat back. Um, shout out to our regular listeners and friends of the pod. John Howard, Ash Bowker, Daniel Cox and Elle Lineker, superfan Ryan Horn, Sadie and Katie at Welcome to Horrorland, and the musical maestro and the composer of our wonderful theme song, Field Mouse. You can go to offbrandmusic.com to hear his music. And I know these people don't listen to the pod, but Justin Leal, go and check out his podcasts and merch over at leallegacy.com. And JB, go and check out his podcast over at talknerdy.uk. And there you will also find links to listen to this show. So thank you, JB, for giving us that platform too. Um, I will mention, though, uh, they just had their annual awards live stream show uh, on facebook you know the nerdies Mm -hmm. they had it last night where they awarded my favorite film of last year as their worst film of last year (gasps) which i was fuming about um which was obviously willie's wonderland um what yeah that was not the worst movie at all i mean last year they just didn't get it clearly they're not horror fans they don't even listen to this so fuck them the matrix was (laughs) A million times worse than Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, and me and Ash are sort of in agreement in the comments saying, look, that was the point of Willie's Wonderland. You missed the point. (laughs) That was so great. Yeah. It's not even like so bad it's good. It's just it that was the point of it. Like (laughs) it wasn't trying to be anything than what it was. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't trying to be anything. It was just what it was. It owned it, and that's why it's genius and the best film of last year. But whatever. Um, Do you have any special mentions or shout-outs? Yeah, just shout-out to my sister and my mom. Um, I want to shout-out to my my brother, Christian. He has a podcast on Spotify, and I think it's on um, Apple as well. But the Max Effort podcast. Um, Very positive, very uplifting he has certain guests on there and he just kind of talks to them about their dreams and stuff like that. And it's pretty good. It's very uplifting. Awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. I've been following your brother on Instagram for years and I always see him posting stuff and I've never got around to checking out his podcast, but I definitely need to. Yeah. He's funny too, man. The last episode that he did, it's cracking up, cracking up so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, golly. So... He had a guest on, didn't he, recently that has made a horror film or was going to make a horror film, right? Yeah, he made a horror film, a horror film with Robert Rodriguez, um, and then he's in the process of wanting to get a Christmas horror film going. So. Yeah, I watched the the fake trailer for that. So good. Up on up on the rooftop, it's called. Yeah. Um, go and check it out. It's on YouTube. Um, 
it was because I think originally it was meant they they made like a trailer just to for the sake of it, right? Well, it was actually originally meant to just be a family uh, Christmas, like a Christmas card almost. So they made it for right. the family, and it was only supposed to be that. And then they uploaded yeah. it to you or yeah, YouTube, and so. And then it got such a good response that yeah. people were saying, "Make a movie of this. Mm-hmm. I want to see the film of this." Um, yeah, it's it's hilarious. It's in the vein of Willy's Wonderland, actually. Yeah, very, yeah, for very sure. much. Uh, you know, campy, low budget, tongue in cheek, ridiculous horror. You know, it's about um, re- Santa's reindeer. They go on a, a, a murder spree, don't they? They so great. Yeah, kill they, everyone. In this they house. kill Santa, and then they go... <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. So yeah, <laughs> go and check that out, and go and listen to the pod with him on. What's his name, that dude? Um, Austin Fisher. Austin Fisher. Good yeah. work, man. Hopefully get you on this pod at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, I want him on here so bad. Yeah, we should do that movie as a Christmas special, maybe, or a mm-hmm. Patreon exclusive. Yes. Yeah, that's something, actually, we want to mention, I guess. We're in the process of setting up a Patreon. Oh, yeah. So um, everyone's sending you suggestions of the kind of stuff you want to see on there. We've already had lots of requests for nudes of me, which um, I'm telling you now ain't going to happen, unfortunately. <laughs> Unless you want stick stick figure versions of me drawn by Ashley. That, yeah, I could do that. Really um, but yeah, we've got some ideas. We, we've got a few exciting things we want to try out. But um, yeah, Patreon. I think like the idea is to pay a dollar a month. I mean, I don't have a clue how this thing works. But yeah, so basically pay- you pay like a dollar a month and then you get like exclusive stuff. You know, you'll they'll get more stuff uh, what we're going to do like more episodes and so is it like completely different feed so it won't be on this feed correct these episodes it's on a separate one is it like a secret one you need like a password to get in or something or yeah you have to have an account and everything like that but i don't know if it's like a i don't know like if our patreon would be password protected but they will have to be subscribed to us okay so so they listen to it on patreon so it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be on apple or anything like that right okay cool so we, should, we probably should be discussing this off air. Yeah, but... probably. <laughs> <laughs> Me not understanding Patreon. But yeah, we're going to do a Patreon at some point, so get stoked on it. Um, also, go and check out Ashley's Etsy. Still selling merch for the show, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, still got the 20% off on. Mm-hmm. So type in thank you, all one word, all caps at checkout to get 20% off. Yeah, buy some merch. And if people have bought merch already, please post some pictures of you wearing yes. it. You not too, Chris. You, you need a... I know. <laughs> I'm being a hypocrite, aren't I? I need to get some pictures <laughs> of me wearing it. I don't like taking pictures of myself, self-conscious sometimes, but I'll um I'll get it. Yeah, I'll I'll get one done soon. We'll just uh, wear a mask if you want. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. So if you want to check out Ashley's store, go to horrorhomeschool.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom and click on merch, and you'll be directed straight there to that T-shirt. But uh, for personal social media stuff, you can follow me on Instagram at Chris J. Wakefield. And me, underscore Babraham Lincoln, underscore. We will be back soon with another episode. And remember, you're all doomed. <laughs>